over the next couple of weeks, I hope that we're able to see from this passage how grace gives. Whenever you approach this passage in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, when Paul was writing this letter, he was in the process of collecting a contribution for needy saints in the city of Jerusalem. Saints who were in need physically because of a severe famine that they were having to endure. In this passage, and not only 2 Corinthians 8, but also 2 Corinthians 9, Paul is appealing to the Corinthians to complete their giving. They're giving to this collection, which according to this text, had begun about a year ago. As Paul appeals to the Corinthians to complete their giving to this contribution, he points towards the example of the churches in Macedonia. The churches in Macedonia would have been just a little bit northeast to the church in Corinth, which was located in the region of Achaia. The region of Macedonia would have included churches that we read about in the New Testament, like the church of Philippi or the church of Thessalonica, the church of Berea, who in the book of Acts were noble because they searched the scriptures daily to see if what they were being taught and what they were being told was true. Paul appeals to the Corinthians to complete their giving to this collection, to this contribution. And in that appeal, he points towards the example of the Macedonian Christians. I want you to notice where he begins talking about the example that the churches in Macedonia set. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1, Paul says, We want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. Notice where Paul begins there. He doesn't begin by talking about how the Macedonians have given graciously. He begins by talking about how God Himself has given graciously. He's going to go on to talk about how the Macedonian Christians gave, but before he gets there, he talks about how they have received. He doesn't say, we want you to know, brothers, about the Macedonian churches and how graciously and generously they gave toward this contribution, towards this collection. He begins by saying, let me tell you about the grace of God that's been given, the grace of God that's been made manifest among the churches of Macedonia. He doesn't begin by saying, here's how they gave. He begins this text by saying, this is why they gave. The Christians in Macedonia were recipients of the grace of God. God had given to them everything in their lives. God had given to them gifts and blessings that they didn't earn. Gifts and blessings that they didn't deserve, that they did not merit. And it's because of that that they gave to this contribution. It's because of that that they contributed so generously and graciously towards this collection that Paul's going to take to the city of Jerusalem because God had graciously given to them. They graciously gave to this contribution. That's the title of our lesson over the next couple of weeks. This small series that we're going to look at within a much larger series. What does grace do in our lives? Grace gives. It's kind of like the father and son who were driving through town one day. And from the back seat, the son shouted out, Dad, I'm hungry. I want something to eat. So the dad decided to pull into the McDonald's drive-thru to get his son his favorite food in the entire world, McDonald's french fries. They went through the drive-thru, he got a large french fry, handed it back to about his six or seven year old son, and he immediately started eating them. They got back on the road, 
the dad expected his son to pay the dad tax. You know what that is, don't you? He put his hand towards the back seat and said, son, could you give me one fry? Made the son mad. He smacked his dad's hand away and said, no, these are my fries. Go get your own. Well, can you see the problem? The son really didn't do anything to earn those fries, did he? He didn't do anything to merit them. He didn't do anything to deserve them. The father gave him that gift. He graciously gave to him McDonald's french fries. Didn't do anything to deserve it. Didn't do anything to merit it. It was a gift from his father to him. His father could have said, just wait till we get home. You said that before, parents? Just wait till we get home. There's plenty of snacks at home, and, and whenever you get there, then you can have a snack. But he decided to give his son his favorite food in the entire world, and it was a gracious gift. Can you see the parallel when it comes to our relationships with God? In many ways, we stand in the position of the younger son in that story. In many ways, we stand in the position of the churches of Macedonia in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 1. By His grace, our Heavenly Father has given to us everything that we have. Don't you agree with that? By His grace, our Heavenly Father has given to us everything that we have. We don't deserve a thing from God. There's not anything that we can do as sinful and broken human beings to earn or merit anything from God. It's just not possible. And I hope we've been impressed with that over the last few weeks as we've studied about what the New Testament teaches us about grace. As grace appears, as grace saves, as grace abounds, we receive everything in our lives from God's grace, everything that we simply don't deserve. So how should we respond to that? When you look in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, what does grace do? By His grace, our Heavenly Father has given to us everything that we have. So we should respond to that with this next statement, because God has graciously given to us, we should be willing to graciously give to others. Whether we're talking about time, talents, money, possessions, resources, God in His grace has given to us everything that we have. I hope that we see in 2 Corinthians the 8th chapter, because God has graciously given to us, we should be willing to graciously give to other people. So let's talk about that in this text. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses 1-9. through 9. Let's see what this passage has to say about how grace gives. Number one, looking at Chapter 8 and verse number 2, Paul tells us that grace gives joyfully despite affliction. Remember, we said that Paul is appealing to the churches in Corinth to complete their giving to this collection or contribution. In doing that, he points to the example of the Macedonians. Naturally, the next question that comes, how did the Macedonians give? What did their giving look like? If we're going to look towards their example, what did their giving entail? How could we describe their giving? Well, the first thing that Paul says in the second verse of 2 Corinthians 8 is that they gave joyfully despite affliction. Verse 2, for in a severe test of affliction. It wasn't easy to be a Christian in the region of Macedonia at this time. They were being not slightly afflicted, but severely afflicted. And those afflictions were testing them. Testing their faith in God. Testing their relationships with God. Their faithfulness to God and His will for their lives. 
when we read throughout the rest of the New Testament and we see Paul writing to these churches in Macedonia, we see behind the curtain. We're able to see the afflictions that these Christians were going through. I, I believe that they were being severely persecuted. For instance, look at Philippians 1 verses 29 and 30. If you look in verse number 30, Paul says that the church in Philippi, which was located in Macedonia, were engaged in the same conflict, he says, that you saw I had and now hear that I still have. Where was Paul when he wrote the letter to the Philippians? He was sitting in prison in the city of Rome. He looks at the church at Philippi and says, I know you've been going through the same thing that I have. You've been involved in the same conflict. You've been involved in the same affliction. Verse 29, he says, it's been granted to you. That's the same word for grace. This has been grace to you, not just to believe in Jesus, but to suffer for His name. And that's exactly what they were doing. Look at the church at Thessalonica. 1 Thessalonians 1 and verse 6 says that they received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. How did they give? 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 2. In a severe test of affliction, they gave joyfully, overflowing, abounding joy. Here you see those two ideas connected again. They received the word in much affliction, but they also received it with the joy of the Holy Spirit. 1 Thessalonians 3 and verse 3, Paul instructs the church at Thessalonica, do not be moved by these afflictions that you are going through. Then 2 Thessalonians 1 and verse 4 encourages them to remain steadfast and faithful in all your persecutions and in the afflictions that you are enduring. Like we said, it wasn't easy to be a Christian in the region of Macedonia. They were being persecuted. They were going through difficulty. They were going through hardship. Their affliction was severe. Their affliction was testing their faith in God. Yet how did they give? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse number 2. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy. That word abundance, we saw it a few weeks ago in Romans the 5th chapter. It refers to something that is overflowing. It's like if you were to take a cup and fill it up with water to the point that it was overflowing. He says, he says in a severe test of affliction, their abundance or overflowing joy, continue reading, overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Even though they were being afflicted and going through great difficulty, Paul says that they gave joyfully. It was a blessing for them to reach out and to bless their brothers and sisters in the city of Jerusalem they were joyful to receive God's grace in their lives and because of that they were joyful to reach out and to graciously give to these Christians who were suffering so intensely what does grace do grace gives joyfully despite affliction each one of us in this room have different afflictions that we have to deal with different afflictions that we have to endure and go through on a daily basis. And sometimes the temptation might be to use those afflictions as excuses not to give. Well, I'm just really going through a lot right now. I have a lot on my plate, and because of that, I just can't be involved in church like I would want to be. Finances are already really stretched. We struggle to meet our bills. We struggle to, to make ends meet every single month. I just don't know if I can give back to the Lord. I don't know if I can give to this person who's in need. There's just so much going on in my life that, that I can't give anything to anybody. Now don't hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we don't need to know and abide within our limits. I'm not saying 
that rest is not important. I'm not saying that we don't need to that that we need to ignore our physical and emotional needs or our family's physical and emotional needs to constantly invest in other people. I'm not saying that life is always easy because you know that it's not. I'm not denying that sometimes we're afflicted and sometimes those afflictions are severe and they test our faith in God. Paul doesn't deny that. But what I am saying is this. The afflictions in our lives should never be used as excuses to not give graciously as God has given to us. Just because you're going through something difficult, just because you're struggling in some kind of way in life, doesn't mean that you cannot give. We find joy in the grace that God has given to us. I hope that we do. When we find joy in the grace that God has given to us, naturally the next step is to experience the joy that comes from graciously giving to other people. And perhaps the joy that comes from giving to other people can help us to cope and deal with the afflictions that we find ourselves enduring on a daily basis. Number one, grace gives joyfully despite affliction. Number two, grace gives generously despite poverty. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 2, Paul tells us something about the financial standing of the churches in Macedonia. What does he say? Verse 2, their extreme poverty. In the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul's writing to a church that was very well off financially. They were located on a port city in the city of Corinth and more than likely would have had all the riches and all the money that they needed. The churches in Macedonia weren't that way. And it wasn't because the cities were necessarily poor or lacking. I think it had a lot to do with the persecution. The social isolation that these Christians would have experienced on a daily basis, it placed them in an extreme, it placed them in a deep poverty. They didn't have anything the way that Paul talks about it here. They didn't have any money, they didn't have any possessions. I imagine they would have struggled to take care of their daily needs. They would have struggled to put clothes on their body, food in their stomach, and a roof over their head. If you talk about being broke, if you talk about being in poverty, well, the churches of Macedonia knew something about that because that was their reality. But how did they respond to it? Well, Paul, you know that we can't give. You know our financial situation and our financial setting. You know, instead of asking us to give, you should be, you should be giving to us. We're just as bad as the Christians in the city of Jerusalem. They're not any worse off than we are. Instead of giving, we should be receiving. Was that their attitude? Well, no, in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 2, he says their extreme or deep poverty has overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Even though they found themselves in poverty, they gave generously. I think it all goes back to God. It all goes back to God's grace. God had given generously to them, so what did they decide to do? They gave generously to their brothers and sisters in Jerusalem who were struggling so intensely in life. Grace gives generously despite poverty. I love the example that we have of that in Luke, the 21st chapter. When you begin in verse number 1, Jesus and His disciples are sitting in the temple in the city of Jerusalem. They're watching as all of these rich men come through, placing their offerings in the offering box. 
I think the way that we could picture that is man after man came through and, and placing thousands of dollars at a time into the offering box. No doubt Jesus' apostles would have been amazed by that. And then in verse number 2, after these rich men come through, the Bible says a poor widow put in two small copper coins. This poor widow comes in, puts $2 into the offering box. Men coming one after the other, placing thousands of dollars into the offering box in the temple. Then a widow comes in and puts $2. Jesus wants to teach His disciples something from that situation. He tells them in verse number 3, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. From Jesus' perspective, which is really the only perspective that matters, this poor widow put in more with her $2 than all of the other individuals did with their thousands of dollars. Do you know why that is? Because verse number 4, they, the rich, all contributed out of their abundance, and she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. What did she do? She did exactly what the churches in Macedonia did in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse number 2. She gave generously despite poverty. Maybe we find ourselves in situations where we have poverties of different kinds. A poverty of time. I just don't have the time to be involved in church like I would want to. A poverty of finances like being talked about in this text. I just can't make ends meet and I can't contribute towards this. I can't give towards this. A poverty of talents. I just don't feel like I can do anything. Paul says, the example of the Macedonians teaches us. The example of a poor widow in Luke chapter 21 teaches us that we can give generously despite poverty. Why? Because God has given generously to us. God in His grace, like we said at the beginning, has given to us everything that we have. And because God has so graciously and generously given to us, even despite our poverty in different areas of our lives, we can give generously and graciously to others. Number three, grace gives sacrificially. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3, Paul says that the churches in Macedonia gave what they were able to give. They gave what they were capable of. The ESV says they gave according to their means. And that's oftentimes the way that we teach it, isn't it? Don't give beyond your means. Make sure that you know your limits, know what you're capable of, know what you have coming in, know what you have going out, and don't go beyond this limit that you set for yourself. Well, the church of Macedonia did that. They gave according to their means, but that's not all the text says in verse 3. They actually gave beyond their means. They gave beyond what they were capable of. They gave beyond what they were able to. To give. In other words, they gave sacrificially. I imagine that there were some families in the churches of Macedonia who might have went several days without eating because they took that money and gave it to this contribution or collection that's going to the city of Jerusalem. Their giving was sacrificial. Their giving actually costed them something. They didn't give out of their abundance. They didn't give what was left over. They didn't give only what they had allotted in the disaster relief budget at the beginning of the year. They gave not only according to their means, they gave beyond their means. Hasn't God, didn't God give sacrificially to them? In His grace, didn't it cost God something? Take a look at Jesus hanging on the cross. That's the sacrifice. That's the gift that was paid. 
for the churches in Macedonia because God had sacrificially and graciously given to them, they sacrificially and graciously gave to this offering. That's what grace does in our lives. It gives sacrificially. I love what C.S. Lewis has to say about sacrificial giving in his book, Mere Christianity. Maybe you've seen this quote before. I recognize he's not an inspired author, but I think what he says here is really good. He says, I do not believe one can settle how much we ought to give. And that's the truth, especially when it comes to giving to the Lord or giving to others. There's no set dollar amount. He's right in that. He says, I'm afraid that the only safe rule is to give more than we can spare. In other words, if our expenditure on comforts, luxuries, amusements, etc. is up to the standard common among those with the same incomes as our own, we're probably giving away too little. If our charities don't at all pinch or hamper us, I should say that they are too small. There ought to be things that we should like to do and cannot do because our charitable expenditure excludes them. The poor widow that we talked about in Luke 21, she understood that quote. The churches of Macedonia in 2 Corinthians the 8th chapter understood that quote. The question is, do we? The churches of Macedonia gave sacrificially to this contribution. Whether we're talking about our, our time or our talents or our finances or our resources, are we willing to give sacrificially? Are we willing to give in such a way that it actually cost us something? Not just out of what's left over. Not just of out of what's budgeted. But are we actually willing to give in such a way that there are some things we'd like to do, but we can't do them. Because our charitable expenditure excludes them. God has given sacrificially to us through our Lord Jesus Christ. We should be willing to sacrificially give to others and then, number four, the Bible teaches us in verse 3 and also verse 8 that grace gives voluntarily. Doesn't that remind you of a football team that played yesterday? That word voluntarily couldn't help but put that up there. I'm not going to say it. I said it was the team that wouldn't be named. I'm not going to name it. But just think about it. Grace gives voluntarily. When you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and verse 3, the last three words of that verse in the English Standard Version, how did they give? They gave of their own accord. In other words, this isn't something that they were forced to do. Paul was not commanding them to do this. If you, we'll talk about this next week. If you skip down to, to verse number 5, Paul says, I didn't even expect them to give. More than likely because of the poverty that they found themselves in. They gave voluntarily. It wasn't about what they had to do. It was about what they wanted to do. It wasn't about an obligation. It was about a desire. So that's the example of the churches in Macedonia. They gave voluntarily. They gave of their own accord. But then skip down a little bit later in the text to verse number 8. Paul turns to the Corinthian church. He says, I say this not as a command. Hey, look at this example of the Christians in Macedonia. I'm not telling you this to command you to be like them. He says, this isn't a command, but as he continues, what he says is really powerful. But to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. I'm not commanding you to do this, Paul says. But what I am saying is look at the earnestness of these Christians in Macedonia. And when you look at their earnestness, be challenged to show that your love is genuine. Be challenged to show how much you love people by what you're willing to give. Like we said, not a command, but an opportunity to show love to people. 
Not an obligation, but a desire. It's not what you have to do, but it's what we should want to do. Grace gives voluntarily. God's grace has been given voluntarily. We've said time after time in this study that God had, didn't have to give us a thing. God doesn't owe us anything. We can't merit or earn anything from Him. God's grace is given voluntarily. And if that's the case, as those who have received His grace, we should also give voluntarily of our own accord. It's not about obligation. It's about desire. It's not about what you have to do. It's about what you want to do. It's not about a command. We're not being commanded to do this according to verse 8. But it's about an opportunity for you and I to show our genuine love for people through how we give of ourselves. To me, this is a powerful, challenging, beautiful idea in 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter. Grace gives. Thankful for the four ideas that we're able to look at this morning. Look forward to looking at four ideas whenever we come together next week to realize by God's grace our Heavenly Father has given to us everything that we have and it's because of that it's because of how God has graciously given to us that we reach out and give graciously to other people grace gives joyfully despite affliction generously despite poverty it gives sacrificially it costs us something it gives in a voluntary way if we can help you with any of those ideas this morning, we would love to do that. Or if you would like access into God's amazing grace, we'd love to help you with that as well. As together we stand and Seth leads us in our invitation song. Be with me, Lord, I cannot live without Thee. I dare not try.
like to welcome each.